had a job down in Alexandria. I had one in fast food. I was working this crazy schedule and just got saved. And I, 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 I thought, I'm going to try prayer. And I prayed for God to fix my schedule so I could be home in the evening. And I got fired the next day. And so uh, aside from the fact that we need to be careful about what we pray about and, and what we ask God for, God blesses us in some unusual ways from time to time. And, and sometimes that's kind of hard for us to see. And so what I'm going to share with you this morning is that the story of a, about a young girl that could teach us a lot about how God blesses and maybe teach us a lot about what it means to have faith. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, and if you want to open up your Bibles, we're going to be looking at 26 through 38, and uh, we're, we're going to see a divine prophecy in verses 26 through 33, and then we're going to see divine power in verses 34 through 38. So here's a divine prophecy, uh, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, that's the same Gabriel that went to see Elizabeth, so he's busy, he's all over the place, and he was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, here, this is a setting for our story, and it's an unusual setting. Uh, for one thing, Galilee is north of Judea, uh, this is the first century uh, A.D., and um, it was not well regarded by the people who lived in Jerusalem. It was not well regarded by what was the southern kingdom. Uh, there, were, there were Gentiles living up there. They had married to some Jewish people, and, and it, it, they weren't educated. They weren't sophisticated, didn't offer everything that Jerusalem had to offer. So that... The, the, the people of Galilee were not highly regarded in Jerusalem. And worse yet, Nazareth sat right on the border between Galilee and, and Samaria. And nobody liked Nazareth. The, the Samaritans were suspicious of the people in Nazareth because maybe they, they leaned towards the people of Galilee. The people of Galilee were suspicious of the people in Nazareth because maybe they leaned towards the Samaritans. So so the angel shows up in this really unusual place. It's small, it's remote, it's surrounded by, by mountains, and it's just, just not where we would expect Gabriel to show up. And, and so the place is Nazareth, and there's a person here, verse 27. He shows up to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So, this is a young girl. She's probably 15, 16 years old. That's about the age they got married. She's betrothed to Joseph. Um, this is an engagement, but an engagement unlike anything that we understand. A betrothal to uh, the first century Jews was a binding contract. Joseph would have gone to, with his father to Mary's father and said, I want to marry your daughter. Her father would have said, okay, that's fine. Then there would have been a one-year period between the, the engagement and the actual wedding ceremony, but it was binding. And so if you wanted to get out of an engagement, you didn't just break up. You had to do almost act, treat it as a divorce. So, so here's this young girl living in Nazareth. Uh, 
She's got a, a future husband, Joseph. Joseph is working hard to prepare a place to take his bride to so they can live there. And he came to her, verse 28, and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. So this angel, Gabriel, appears to Mary. She's engaged to be married to Joseph. And the good news is he shows up and she's favored by God. Greetings, O favored one. 16-year-old girl. Gabriel manifests himself in front of her and says, you're favored. Gabriel brings peace. Well, how does she react to this? Verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting that might be. Now, Mary has the typical reaction to the visit of a heavenly being, and we've talked about this before. She's afraid. She didn't know what's going on. This is a supernatural event. It's not like some guy just walked in the room. She knows that she's talking to an angel. So, and, and the angel, Gabriel is, is incredibly compassionate here, and the angel said to her in verse 30, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, obviously, Gabriel sees the need to repeat to Mary why he's there. He tells her twice, she's favored by God. She's standing there, and she's trembling. And so, you know, we, we talked last week about the fact that when an angel visits, it's either to bring some sort of blessing, some good news, or judgment. And Gabriel wants her to know right away that this is good news. So Mary's trying to figure out what's going on, and Gabriel says, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. This is good news. And that leads to the prophecy. And the first part of the prophecy, you know, and it's easy for us to miss this. Because we're so familiar with this story. We see Mary sitting there and there's an angel with a halo over their head and everything. And this is all fantastic. But actually the first part of the prophecy is very disturbing. Because in verse 31 he says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now we know what good news that is. But to Mary... This is anything but good news. She's betrothed to Joseph. And the angel tells her that she's going to have a baby. That there's going to be a baby conceived in her womb. This could be an absolute disaster for Mary. She's a young girl. She's supposed to be a virgin. She's supposed, and and the, 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 the wedding has not taken place. Ceremony hasn't taken place yet. Uh, the, the relationship has not been consummated, and she's going to be pregnant. And, and if, if this would happen in the first century of, of uh, Judea, she could be stoned. Matter of fact, Joseph could be stoned as well. If Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant and he knows he's not the father, he has to put her away. He has to divorce her. He has to make a proclamation to the priests and to the community that this woman is pregnant without him. Otherwise, they stone both of them. So Mary is in trouble. The, the angel shows up and said, I've got a blessing for you. Oh, great, what is it? You're going to have a baby. No! 
Don't you understand? Now, Mary's not going through all of this, but that's what her situation is. If people find out, she could be in incredible trouble. But there's a hidden blessing here because the angel says his name will be Jesus. Now, we found out with Elizabeth that the tradition in in the Jewish culture was that the father names the child. So God named John the Baptist, and God is now naming Mary's child as well. He's going to be called Jesus. So right away, Mary would know that God is the father of this son that she's going to have. So the prophecy kind of moves on to the good news about this baby, and, and in, in, in telling the good news and revealing the details about the baby, we see this incredible power, this divine power that God has. Verse 32, and he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So God is doing something incredibly amazing. This divine prophecy is is typical of the other prophecies that we see in the Bible, but there's something totally unique about this. God has made this promise that David or somebody from the house of David would sit upon his throne forever, and now he's bringing that promise to fruition right here. He's saying, look at the words he used, the son of the Most High the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. This is the Messiah. This is the culmination of this expectation that's been occurring in this region. For 400 years, they've been waiting. They've been on pins and needles waiting for the Messiah to come. And here it is right here. And God is going to bring the Messiah in the form of a baby through Mary, this young 15 or 16-year-old girl. Going to become a king. How is that going to (laughs) happen? What tools will God use to make this happen? And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Now, Mary sees a problem here. She's aware of her dilemma. She's got a handle on the situation she's in. But unlike Zechariah, this isn't a question of, uh, well, don't, don't tell me you're going to do this. Don't you understand, God? Zechariah kind of argued with God, kind of asked for a sign, and we all know how that ha- occurred. You know, he didn't get the sign he was looking for. But Mary's a little bit confused. She's not challenging. She's simply unaware of how this could be possible. This is a request for more information. As far as Mary knows, this, this can't happen. So she's curious. She's like, okay, how's this going to happen? And the angel answered her, verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy Son of God. He's 15, 16 years old. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of God will overshadow you. I can't imagine what Mary felt like. And what she finds out 
is that God has the power to do things that are absolutely unimaginable. She's in this, this dire situation. The angel shows up. You're favored. You're going to have a baby. I could see where Mary would go, well, what kind of favor is that? It doesn't sound like favor to me. But she believes. She believes what the angel says. Mary believes that God is capable of doing the impossible. And this whole prophecy is just replete with possibilities. A baby coming out of nothing. The baby becoming... It's not just the baby becoming a king. It's a baby from Nazareth becoming the king of Judea. These things just can't happen. Doesn't God understand Nazareth? Doesn't he know that this is the outcast of all outcasts? Later on we find out that people say nothing good can come from Nazareth. So much like God though, isn't it? So much like God to say, look at this impossible situation and watch what I do. Watch what I do. You see, if it weren't impossible, we wouldn't be able to give God the glory. We wouldn't be able to give God the credit for everything that was happening. God takes nothing and creates something out of it. There's more news. Verse 36. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Two barren women. Two babies. That changed the course of the history of the world. So here's, here's Mary's reaction to all this. Verse 38. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now here's Mary's total surrender to the Father. She knows the situation. She knows she could die. She knows that she could be shamed for the rest of her life. Yet she says, let it be according to what you said. Mary surrenders completely. And with Mary's surrender, with Mary's faith in the word of God, the incarnation occurs. And, and, you know, when we talk about the incarnation, again, it's one of those those words that just kind of flow off of us, but understand what it means. The creator is about to become the creation. He's about to enter into the world, to take on flesh, to receive the creation into himself, the material world that God alone created. It's an incredible event. In Jesus, God shows up in human skin to reverse the human condition, which is separation from God ever since Adam 
This is why they call Jesus the second Adam. He's going to undo all of the things that Adam did, all of the nature and character of us that separates us from God. He shows up in the flesh to do this. And by any evaluation we could think of, Mary was perhaps the most unlikely person in the world to receive this, and Nazareth was the most unlikely place in the world to have it received in. This is how God works, isn't it? It's how he moves in our lives. I look back on getting fired, and Kelly and I talked about this the other night. And that that put me on a path. 37 years later, ends up in Warrington, Virginia. And we can see how God moved. And I'm sure Mary had the same type of experience. Let me tell you a bigger problem Mary had. When she understood the prophecy, when you weave the things we know from the gospel together, Mary knew that Jesus would be a sword to her heart. She knew what would happen. Still, she goes forward willingly. She goes forward lovingly. Not just because she loves her baby, but because she loves her God. And that's what we're here to celebrate today. The love of God and our love for him. Let's pray.